Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Happy Thursday. Sky back with you for another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. the TCK Pod. Today's guest, of course, Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor, breaking down the early slate on Sunday. Bobby, how we doing, man? Sky, ready to talk week 13. Week 13. Holy smokes. We were just talking before we got on air, man. It's like we wait all summer. We crunch numbers. We get ready for draft season. Draft season happens so quickly. Then we're into week one, week two, week three. We're excited to get the season going. There's a lull between like week five and 10. And now all of a sudden we're ready for fantasy playoffs. You're either in or you're out after this week. How are you doing in general? Not, I, I know you're in a ton of leagues. So am I, we don't need yeah. to break down at every one of them, but overall, how are you doing? Have you combated the injuries? How was your overall draft season this year? Are you making the playoffs the most? Have you missed out? How are you doing so far? I would say two thirds in, it was actually a pretty good season. I mean, injuries are really important. Like you avoid the injury bug. I have a couple teams that I did not, and it was brutal. But um, for the most part, I'm, I'm in most of them and, or I'm in contention. So I'm, I'm actually going to be barely invested in week 13 this year. That's awesome, man. And great, great to hear that. I, too, am in the playoffs in most of my leagues. I do have a couple dynasty teams that are just, frankly, dumpster fires right now, and they need to get uh, flipped over. But that's part of dynasty. You're either on top or, or uh, you know, you're, you're kind of looking to next year anyway. So I'm looking to retool a couple dynasty teams. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good uh, with redraft stuff. So nice. we'll keep you posted along the way. Uh, let's get into it, man. We've got um, seven games for you and I to cover. Lucas and I yesterday covered the afternoon games, the doubleheader on Monday, and the Tuesday night game as well. Of course, we had the crazy schedule this week with the Ravens and Steelers playing yesterday. We had Monday night games. We had the Thanksgiving situation. We've moved um washington and pittsburgh to monday we've moved dallas and baltimore to tuesday we have the buccaneers and the panthers on by this week uh and of course no teams coming back off of a bye uh because we did not have any bye weeks last week so let's get right into it man new orleans and atlanta another i mean we just had these two teams two weeks ago atlanta got absolutely destroyed eight sacks on matt ryan the saints defense has been really incredible recently however the atlanta defense has been so much better uh in the last uh six weeks they have really turned it around they were giving up 30 points a game now they're giving up about 19 of course they destroyed Derek Carr and the Raiders last week um going up against New Orleans without Drew Brees still it's Taysom Hill my question here is you know a are you Taysom Hill went for two rushing touchdowns 233 passing yards the first time these two teams met two weeks ago are you comfortable with Taysom Hill uh in in uh, single quarterback leagues now Superflex, obviously you're, you're playing him, but in single QB leagues, are you comfortable in, in, in playing him? 
My main question, though, is going to be this backfield. Do you trust in Alvin Kamara? Do you trust in Latavius Murray either way? And is Dalvin – or Dalvin Cook, excuse me, Jared Cook, is he worth it at all? He's kind of disappeared recently. Michael Thomas, I assume, is still automatic. I do have a little snippet on Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray that I uh, wrote up in my article this week for the waiver wire column that I'll drop at the end of this. I put it in Monday's episode, too, so I'll wait to hear what you have to say and give a couple nuggets on Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. On the Falcons' side – Matt Ryan, are you confident in him? If Julio Jones does not play this week, he should play, but we never know this early. I mean, it's Thursday, so we'll see how things unfold here. Um, are you comfortable with Julio Jones and Todd Gurley? If he's healthy, do you play Todd Gurley? Are you still going to play uh, Edo Smith or a Brian Hill or so? And uh, Hayden Hurst, um, are you confident in him? So there's a lot of question marks and some otherwise automatic plays here with these injuries and these quarterback situations. So when you're looking at this game, Taysom Hill does add a separate element to this whole thing where he brings down the pass volume for both teams because they're a team now, they're going to slow down the pace. They're going to run the ball with Taysom Hill and with their running backs a lot. I mean, there are over 30 carries in the game versus the Atlanta Falcons last time. So that's going to decrease the pass volume for both sides. Now, when I'm looking at this, like we always talk about this drop back data and understanding how, how much dropbacks do these teams see? Now, the Atlanta Falcons, let's talk about the Saints first. The Atlanta Falcons are a pass-funnel defense. They are much susceptible to the pass than the run. That was evident in the first matchup. Even though Taysom Hill didn't have any touchdowns, he did throw for 233 yards. But Murray and Kamara both were under 50 yards apiece. Neither of them really had a monster game on the ground because Atlanta's a lot better against the run. Now, when you're looking at this, I love Taysom Hill. The thing I like the most about Taysom Hill is the fact that the Atlanta Falcons secondary is decimated. So he's going to have success throwing the football to Michael Thomas. But the other thing too, is the Falcons run a lot of man. So that means that there's a lot of opportunities for him to run the football. Obviously the last time they played, he had 10 carries for 49 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm all in on Taysom Hill as a single QB league option. I'm starting him in a lot of my leagues in week 13 as well as the running backs. And listen, the biggest difference between the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons is that they are inverted when it comes to where their weaknesses are. Denver Broncos are a very weak run defense, much better against the pass. Atlanta's the opposite. So I think there's going to be um, – it's a little bit – it's tougher to trust a guy like Tavius Murray. Murray had a monster game last week, and he's kind of the clock killer. But when they played the Falcons previously, it was Kamara that got the touchdown. And I hate to say this, and I know this makes me sound crazy, but Kamara's kind of touchdown dependent because he's no longer involved in the pass game. So Taysom Hill is fixated on Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is getting a robust target share – and he's the only guy that's truly viable in this offense from a passing game standpoint. Emmanuel Sanders did find some success the last time they played for four for 66. But when I'm looking at just the running backs, I think Kamara's in play. You're obviously starting him, but he's a flex play. He's no longer a true RB1 until Drew Brees comes back because he doesn't have that passing game work. I think you're taking a big risk with Latavius Murray if you start him this week because the Atlanta Falcons are much better against the run than the Denver Broncos. So Hey, listen, it could be a blowout again. Murray can get you 15 to 20 carries if it's a big blowout, but I'm not seeing that. They're on the road in Atlanta. They're only a three-point favorite in this game. So I do expect Kamara to take the lead in this one. I think Kamara's still in play. I'm fading Latavius Murray. And then for the receiving core, listen, over the last two weeks since Taysom Hill has taken over, Jared Cook and Adam Troutman are now splitting reps at tight end. They're running the same amount of routes. They're both not getting a lot of targets but they're also running less routes than the running backs. So they're like fifth and sixth on the team in routes. That's not going to get it done for fantasy. Even in a very plus matchup against Atlanta, 
I'm not going to put my fantasy playoff picture on the line in week 13 with Jared Cook. Um, the only guy I trust really is Michael Thomas in this game, but I think Emmanuel Sanders is actually a flex play in this one. He did find some success in the first game. I also think we have to look at, if we flip it over to the other side with the Atlanta Falcons, it all relies on Julio Jones. So Julio barely played the last time these two teams played. He, get, he left the game very early. He only had two receptions in that game. Now, I did touch on this two weeks ago. The last time they played with all hands on deck, Marshawn Lattimore versus Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley versus Janoris Jenkins, it only happened once last year. And that game, Julio had a modest three catches for about 70 yards, and Ridley didn't do much either because really where you beat the, foul, um, the Saints is in the middle of the field with slot receivers. So Russell Gage had seven receptions for 58 yards the last time these guys played. I think he's, on a, he's a PPR flex, especially because their number four receiver – and I am not going to pronounce his name starts with a Z. I, I guarantee Scott, you know how to say it, but uh, <laughs> Ol- Ol- Olamati Zakitas. Yes, he's out now. So that's going to add a little bit more routes for those guys. So I do like uh, Russell Gage as a PPR flex play this week because you can really beat Atlanta. I mean, the, Sa- the New Orleans Saints in the middle of the field, and they are tough everywhere. I mean, New Orleans Saints defense is ridiculous. But if Julio's in and Calvin Ridley's in, I do think they're both serviceable plays. But I, I can tell you this. I think Ridley's uh, wide receiver, too, if, if Julio's out, I think he slips to that flex range if Julio is in. I prefer Julio Jones. I'm always going to start Julio if he plays. But I think you got to temper expectations for those two guys because of the talent on the outside for the Saints. And then Hayden Hurst. Listen, Hayden Hurst has a very tough matchup against New Orleans. The last time they played, he had zero for zero. I am not trusting Hayden Hurst in this matchup. New Orleans has really turned it on over the last couple of weeks against the tight end position, so I'm no longer interested in him. And then Todd Gurley, Brian Hill, whoever's starting running back, I am not touching. No one's Saints run defense is legit. So I think the on the Atlanta side, the only guys I'm really interested in are Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and maybe flexing a Russell Gage in PPR formats. Matt Ryan, to me, is very risky. I am not excited to start Matt Ryan. I'm probably fading him. So I would definitely look for the Julio injury to really judge the other guys in this one. But overall – there's not too much optimism in this game. I really like the New Orleans Saints defense. I agree. I'm going to do a quick note on Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. We will move on. I think you've covered it beautifully. In the last two games since Taysom Hill has taken over as the quarterback for the Saints, Latavius Murray has out-touched, out-yardaged, and has more touchdowns and fantasy points than Alvin Kamara. Latavius Murray has 34 touches, 211 total yards, and two touchdowns, which accounts for 36 PPR fantasy points. And Alvin Kamara has 25 touches for 97 total yards and one touchdown, 16.7 PPR fantasy points. So it has been all Latavius Murray, unfortunately. I agree with you. This is a great rush defense now. Um, or greats maybe uh, overzealous, yeah. but, 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 but good and much better than it was early on. Uh, in this in this season so um, since the firing of Dan Quinn they've really turned this this entire team around Uh, but frankly this defense especially um, with Raheem Morris really taking the reins here so I do think there's gonna be more checkdowns they have to get Alvin Kamara more involved in general in this offense but it has been Latavius Murray I just want to put a point out there that Latavius Murray usually takes a backseat to Alvin Kamara but with Taysom Hill specifically the last two weeks and one of those being against the Falcons Latavius Murray has been front and center. So keep an eye on that. And even if you don't start him this week, and I agree you shouldn't unless you have to against his Falcon front, he should be rostered in every single format as minimum the handcuff for Alvin Kamara for playoffs. But I think he's got his own standalone value in a plus matchup. 
All right, let's move on to the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. So Detroit, we're going to talk, we got to talk about DeAndre Swift. If he's healthy, you play him. If he's not healthy, who would you like, AP or Carryon Johnson? Even if he's healthy, is there any situation you would play AP or Carryon Johnson? And with Kenny Galladay still sidelined, um, are you confident in Marvin Jones or anybody else as a pass catcher for the uh, Lions outside of TJ Hawkinson? For the Bears, David Montgomery had a season-high 103 yards against the Packers last week, but it's the Packers' rush defense, which is the worst or, you know, top three worst in the league. Well, guess what? The Lions are one of the other top three worst rush defenses in the league. How do you feel about David Montgomery and anyone other than Allen Robinson in that offense? We saw Mitch Trubisky come back in. Didn't look horrendous, but he did have three picks, had the two touchdowns to Allen Robinson, but are you comfortable with anybody else, Jimmy Graham, uh, any of those other receivers? Um, so DeMont and A-Rob, anybody else for the Bears? And then if Swift is healthy, you play him. But if not, are you comfortable with anybody else on the Lions? So this game's a close line, obviously, and they're playing in Chicago, which is outdoors, obviously. And I, literally, I wanted to take a look at to see how Stafford did the last time he was in Chicago. It was two years ago in 2018. He did fine. He had 274 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So definitely – putting up points for fantasy purposes. Maybe he's not a, he's definitely not a standalone play. I'm not saying that, but at least I know he can perform in Chicago. So I thought that was very important. Also, both of these teams, they don't see a lot of pass volume on defense. You know, the Lions are 20th in, in dropbacks per game over the last five weeks, and the Bears are 29th. So they're not seeing a lot of pass volume. So what that tells me is you only can focus on the studs. I'm not going to try to go after the ancillary players, you know, the other guys like the Danny Amendola's, if Galladay's in Marvin Jones, et cetera. But when I look at the Lions, you know, the Bears are very good across the board. But if Kenny G, what I heard is Kenny G should be back this week. So if Kenny Galladay is in, he's had success against Chicago in the past. I am playing him against Chicago because the Bears don't have big physical corners. So I think Kenny Galladay can definitely manhandle the Chicago secondary. And I think he's definitely a start if he plays um, and I think that's that's a clean cut. And the way you beat the Bears, though, is with tight ends. So I really like TJ Hawkinson in this matchup. I think he's definitely in play in this one because when I'm looking at all my metrics, really the only true weakness for the Bears is against the tight end. Now, with the running back position, I think Swift, it was only a concussion. So I think he should be able to come back. If he's in, he's a, he's going to be a bell cow. I think Daryl Bevel's not messing around. Obviously, Matt Patricia recently was just fired as well. So this is a big thing where a lot of teams kind of pull through. We saw the Atlanta Falcons, the Houston Texans all start winning football games when they had a new coach come in. So I think with Daryl Bevel in there, he's not going to mess around because he has a shot to be the full-time head coach, apparently. Apparently. I don't know if that's true, but um, I think he's going to play Swift. I think he's going to be a workhorse, and I think he's definitely in your lineups if he's in the game. If he is out, Eileen AP. AP and Bevel have time together for Minnesota. I think AP is going to get the, the reps, but I'm not too excited to start a guy like AP because he doesn't offer the passing game work that Swift does to help compensate for a little bit of a tougher matchup. And then Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, if those guys are all back, I am not playing him against Chicago. I'm not expecting enough pass on to compensate. If Kenny Galladay is out, I'm still not liking Marvin Jones because those corners I think can keep up with Marvin Jones, I don't think they can keep with Kenny Galladay. He's just a more of a talented wide receiver. On the Bears side, listen, there's, there's more injuries to the Lions. Uh, Danny Shelton, they're one of their best defensive linemen, is now out. And Desmond Trufant, a guy who was recently used as a shadow corner and shadowing top wide receivers, is now out again on IR. So 
Great news for Allen Robinson. And also, Mitch Trubisky loves playing Detroit. The last – and, Sky, I want you to – you can fact-check me sometime, but I swear to God I looked this up. And the last four times that he has faced Detroit, Mitchell Trubisky, he has thrown for three touchdown passes. It is absolutely wow. absurd. It's absurd. And I couldn't believe it. I was like – I knew he was good, but for some reason he loves playing Detroit, and he's been successful versus them. So I don't know what that is. The good news is with no Desmond Trufant, that's going to open up Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson's a smash play this week in this matchup. And also David Montgomery. Listen, I love Montgomery. You know, last week you can say what you want, but he, he's a true bell cow workhorse. He did have that big run, but overall he just looked spry. He looked good. I know Green Bay is a very weak run defense, but, you know, Detroit, like you just touched on, is not that great either. So I think it's going to be Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. I'm not necessarily too excited to go after the other players in this team. So Jimmy Graham actually ran less routes than Cole Komet last week. So that was something I thought was interesting. The rookie tight end is actually running more routes than Jimmy Graham. I don't know if it was because of the game was a blowout. Maybe they're just trying to get the young guy in. Um, um, so that could be a part of it. But I thought that was notable that he is on the field and running more routes than Jimmy Graham. So I think I'm kind of fading Graham and Komet in this one. I'm not excited for anybody. So I think it's just David Montgomery and A-Rob. But hey, Take that nugget and maybe play uh, Mitch Trubisky in DFS because I thought that was very interesting. So I don't know if I'm starting him in season long, but I thought that was notable. I think it's fantastic, man. He always has that rushing floor. And we, I mean, again, a couple of years ago, we did see him throw six touchdowns versus a then horrendous uh, Buccaneers defense. But nonetheless, he threw six touchdowns. He does have the wheels. You know, I think, unfortunately, he's clearly not going to, you know, He's never going to uh, let down the, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. uh, but but um, what he can focus on right now is being better than Nick Foles, which, frankly, I think they're the same quarterback with different abilities. Uh, but if he can get a couple wins going for the Bears here and keep them in a hunt, he might have a job next year. If the Bears flutter a 5-1 and one start on the season, which they've done, uh, now and he can't get anything done, then he probably will not be a starter in the NFL uh, again, unfortunately. So um, big, uh, big game here for Mitch Trubisky potentially. And I love the nugget. I will have to uh, yeah. fa fact check you. Yeah, check me um, on that. <laughs> on it, but just because it's, it just seems uh, so incredible for him to have done that. But look, three touchdowns, I'll take it. And uh, it sounds, sounds great to me if we can, get these guys healthy. And I do think David Montgomery uh, keeps, keeps rolling here too. One of the best playoff schedules um, up on the rest of the, uh, the season there for running backs. Okay. Let's get into the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans for Indianapolis. Looks like Jonathan Taylor should be back uh, was act reactivated back off the COVID list. Um, had a great game two weeks ago, uh, but Naheem Hines, obviously still around Wilkins still around. We'll see what they want to do here. It should be a shootout, but now Will Fuller, of course, is out for the season, suspended for six games the rest of the season, plus week one of 2021 for a PED situation. I explained my take on that on Monday. Long story short, he either got incredibly duped or he's full of shit, and I'm not quite sure what it is. <laughs> Will uh, Fuller but, shit. Exactly. But either way, <laughs> either way, he got busted for PEDs, unfortunately, and he's out for the rest of the season. So it's Brandon, um, it's Kiki Huty, it's Isaiah Coulter, their, uh, their rookie. Another great rookie here is Michael Pittman Jr. We'll see if he can continue to be that number one. 
There's a lot of question marks here. David Johnson also reactivated off the IR. We'll see if he's activated uh, this week. If not, Duke Johnson. Again, two more teams that should be kind of automatic for fantasy, but a lot of question marks here for the Colts and the Texans. So the biggest thing, uh, the one thing I do want to point out too that kind of fell under the radar is Bradley Roby, also been suspended. The top cover corner for the Houston Texans is also out for the rest of the season because he tested positive and got suspended. So I know Will Fuller's getting the headlines, but this is a huge opportunity for passing games facing Houston moving forward because we saw what Jacksonville did a couple weeks ago with DJ Shark when they had no Roby. So this is definitely going to open up a bunch of opportunities. So when I do look at this game though, I, I am a little worried because I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to perform as well without Will Fuller. And I think that's going to cause some pass game volume issues. I don't think, I don't see this becoming a shootout because he doesn't have the arsenal, especially with Randall Cobb also out and Kenny Stills now a free agent. So when I look at the pass volume projection, they're both below league average. However, the good news is because of some of the injuries, for example, to Houston, they, they are going to be down one of their key def- defensive linemen. And I just talked about Roby. So the other problem is on the offensive line, the Colts are starting to break injuries. So Anthony Costanzo, their stud left tackle, is out. Also, Brian, uh, Ryan Kelly, the starting center, is also hurt. So the Colts' dominant run uh, offensive line is now banged up. So that could cause some problems overall for running the football. But when you're looking at who beats the Texans, running backs, outside wide receivers, and tight ends. So you really have a plethora of different options that could beat the Texans. So when I'm looking at this game, I am all in on – Jonathan Taylor coming back, staying hot, playing well against this team. I also like Naheem Hines. He's just too involved as a pass catcher to not use him. Even though last week we have to watch Hines because, you know, the, the line right now is only three and a half. So they're, it's actually kind of close, even though Texans are home and they're getting three and a half points. But Hines, I think, is just a hybrid play. I think he's, such, he's so involved in the pass game. He's a start as well. But the guy I love is Michael Pittman. So he's coming off a very slow week. And obviously everyone's a go. T.Y. Hilton's back. He had four, four receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown on five targets. Well, Pittman had nine targets. But now I rewatched it because I love Michael Pittman, and I rewatched all his targets. And he was just – there was just really tough coverage. He had a couple hit his hands and fell down. It was just an off week for him. I think he's going to bounce back, and I think he bounced back huge. I'm really into Michael Pittman in this one because you could truly beat now without Bradley Roby on the outside – for receivers. So Pittman's in for me and T Y Hill. And listen, if you, if you're desperate for a wide receiver three, you know, he has really performed very well against Houston in the past. He's had a lot of history, uh, especially on the road in Houston. So I think that from a novelty play, like old school, I could see Hilton even being a fringe wide receiver three in this matchup. And finally tight ends, like we touched on, listen, it's all great. Burton had six, six targets last week on 42 attempts for Phil Rivers. But the thing with Burton is he's still running just as many routes as Mo, Mo Ali Cox and also uh, Doyle is also running routes. So I think it's a little risky to constantly bank on him scoring a touchdown, even though that is the tight end landscape and Houston's a better, um, a, not a good defense against tight ends. But I think I'm still, I'm just not going to run the risk. It could happen. Listen, Burton's okay. I think if you're desperate at tight end, you can use him. If you have Rob Ronkowski, for example, you need someone to fill in. Trey Burton's fine, but I lean Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton in this matchup. Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor over a guy like Burton. So on the other side, listen, all those injuries, I am a little worried about Deshaun Watson. I don't think I'm very comfortable. You know, Indianapolis Colts just got lit up, but they got lit up on the ground. Derrick Henry had 178 yards, three touchdowns. And the passing game, you know, Ryan Tannehill was okay, 13 for 22 for 221 yards. But I don't see Deshaun Watson be able to overcome all these losses. So I might be fading Deshaun Watson as a QB1 this week. But I do love Randall Cobb. 
So the way you do beat the Colts is in the slot, interior rod receivers. And Brandon Cooks actually leads the team over the last four weeks or so in slot targets. So I do like Brandon Cooks. I think he's going to be an absolute target monster with no Will Fuller. I think you can keep rolling with him. Now with the other receivers, it's a mosh posh. And listen, under in a different circumstance, I would say we could start taking a look at the other guys, the Kiki QTs of the world, and take a look at those guys and say, all right, are they serviceable? I just don't think the Colts are going to have another bad defensive week again. So wait until there's better matchups on the horizon. Then you can kind of use – because Deshaun Watson's good enough to elevate the talent around him, but I don't think this is the matchup. So I am going to fade. I think I'm only focused on Brandon Cooks. Now the running game, yes, the David Johnson window opened, but Duke Johnson can't get it done on the ground, and Houston cannot run the football. So I'm not interested in the running backs, and I don't see – Duke Johnson did score on a nice long touchdown last time they against Detroit, but – that was one catch. It was a nice play. I get all that, but Deshaun Watson does not target the running backs. So I just, I'm going to continue to fade them. And once David Johnson comes back, I think he's a better runner, but I'm still not excited, excited to start Duke Johnson in this one. Let me throw a couple quarterbacks at you to compare with Deshaun Watson and see where the line is with you. So okay. Deshaun Watson, of course, going against the Colts at home. Um, I'm just going to throw a couple guys at you. You give me that guy or Deshaun Watson. Uh, we'll start up at the top here. Aaron Rodgers uh, at home versus Philadelphia. Aaron Rodgers. Josh Allen at San Francisco Monday night. Josh Allen. Ryan Tannehill home versus Cleveland. Ooh. Ryan Tannehill. Justin Herbert versus New England. I'm going to go – oh, uh, that's a really tough one. I'm going to go Deshaun Watson there. I think Kyler, Herbert's going to have a hard time. Kyler Murray versus the Rams. Kyler Murray. Rushing floor. I like it. Okay. And assuming he comes back, Lamar Jackson uh, at home versus Dallas after two weeks off. I'm going to go Lamar. Okay. Fair enough. I agree with you, man. I think it's going to be tricky. I do see the Texans being able to move the ball ish. Uh, and look, the reality, I mean, they had DeAndre Hopkins obviously uh, in the past, but Deshaun Watson has played most of his career without Will Fuller because he's been so injured. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a huge gap per se, but if Brandon cooks can't be Deandre Hopkins, then it could certainly be an issue. And I just don't trust the running game. All right, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Miami dolphins. So, you know, I hate to play this card, but for Cincinnati, quite literally, do you feel comfortable starting anybody? Gio Bernard have had two consecutive 20 plus performances when he took over from Mixon originally, but he has not been over double-digit fantasy points in the last three games. Uh, the T. Higgins caught a last-second touchdown that didn't matter last week, but otherwise the receivers have basically disappeared. And basically, this offense is just not able to move the ball. You know, this secondary from Miami is top-notch. Of course, they also have a decent pass rush these days. So I'm concerned about the Bengals in general. For the Miami side. Do Parker and Mike Kosicki depend on the quarterback? Uh, looks like Tua may come back with that thumb injury. It could be Ryan Fitzpatrick again. Do you have a preference on? Um, do you have a preference on pass catchers depending on the quarterback, or are you confident enough, or not confident? Either way. And then, what are we going to do with this backfield? Uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed all of a sudden. Um, Savon Ahmed got, gets injured. Matt Breida just not being able to step up. Um, 
you know, see if we're going to even uh, be able to have a, a start from Gaskin. Again, not much going on in Cincinnati, but quite a few questions in Miami. Yeah, so Bengals are big underdogs in this one, 11 and a half. So when I'm looking at these two defenses, they're both average when it comes to dropbacks on defense. Cincinnati is actually leaning more of a pass funnel defense, while Miami is actually a run funnel defense. So that doesn't really bode well since Miami's a little bit better against the pass than the run. Doesn't really bode well for these guys in the for the Higgins, the Boyds, and AJ Green. Now, something that is worth noting: Auden Tate was getting some routes. He actually just got hurt, so there's going to be more routes for those guys. But Miami is not the defense that you're excited to start your receivers against anyway, because of Byron Jones, Xavier Howard on the outside. So when I'm looking at the Bengals too, they just lost one of their starting offensive guards. Um, but when I'm you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I just think T Higgins got lucky with that late, uh, that late touchdown. And I don't think Allen's going to really get it done from a uh, QB standpoint. We haven't seen much. I mean, Sam Darnold's been bad this year. I get that, but he was embarrassing against the Dolphins last week and the Dolphins are pushing for the playoffs. And it sounds like they're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick starting another week potentially. So I I think that they're going to be still in it. They're going to still try to win this game. So I think that I'm leaning towards fading all the, 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 the Bengals receiving core. Now, Gio Bernard should have some success running the football. I mean, Frank Gore had 74 yards rushing last week. So, you know, Frank Gore, Frank Gore is going to get you a combined 86 yards between rushing and receiving. I think Gio can kind of do that as well. So I think Gio could be okay as a flex, especially because Miami is much more easier to beat on the ground than through the air. And that's really it from the Bengals side. Now on the Miami Dolphins side, the Bengals are susceptible to pretty much everybody. Now, Wayne Gallman had a very nice week last week, 24 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. I actually, listen, Miles Gaskins uh, came off the IR last week. He did not get cleared. He did not play, but he should be in. He practiced uh, practiced today, uh, so that's good news. I think Gaskins, if he's in, you're starting him. I think he's going to be a good RB2 in this matchup against a Bengals team that's pretty banged up. You can beat them through the air as well as with running backs. But overall, the Bengals are bad against outside wide receivers and they're bad against tight ends. So, Jaziki and Parker are in play, but listen, it's a Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. If Ryan Fitzpatrick's in, I think you're definitely confident Parker as a wide receiver too. Jaziki as a low end tight end one. If two is in, I could see this being a very slower paced game, less offensive volume. They run the ball maybe a little bit more, but two is just not as efficient. And he also doesn't throw the ball to contested players like Parker as much. So I listen, Parker's still in play. If two starts, I think he's more of a flex play than a wide receiver too. And I think Jaziki is still, you know, borderline tight end one if Tua plays. But I think really I want to see Fitzpatrick in the lineup. If he's in, I love all these guys, Parker, Jaziki, and Miles Gaskins in this one. And Dolphins DST, correct? Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I totally agree there. And uh, who are you thinking right now will be the starter for Miami? I think it's Fitz. I think I think Tua's thumb injury. Apparently I heard there's some swelling. I look at Pro Football Doc. I actually looked before I started this podcast. Pro Football Doc said that he, he looks like he could miss another week. Um, it could be a good excuse for them to keep Tua out and play Fitzpatrick because they're in the playoff race. Uh, but I think it's going to be Fitz. I agree. Let's move on to Jacksonville Jaguars and the Minnesota Vikings. Looks like Mike Glennon will remain the starter. Uh, Garner Minshew seems to be activated and available. However, it, the and unless you've heard otherwise, Bobby, I understand that Mike Glennon will get the start, at least as of right now. If that's the case, is there anyone on this offense that you feel comfortable with outside of James Robinson? He's an auto start at this point. Proved himself against the Steelers two weeks ago. 
Uh, he has not the best playoff schedule, but you got to write him out here. Colin Johnson, rookie out of Texas, played very well last week. Really had been kind of not a part of this offense, but with DJ Chark out again last week, Colin Johnson came in, led the team in targets, receptions, yardage, and had a touchdown. So how do we feel about that? Also, my man, the ghost of Tyler Eifert, had a touchdown last week as well. Is he a potential streaming option there at tight end? And then for Minnesota, you start Thielen, who is going to be coming back. You start Jefferson automatically at this point. Of course, Dalvin Cook. Uh, my question is going to be, do you stream Kirk Cousins, and are you comfortable with Kyle Rudolph if Irv Smith misses again? Uh, so, listen, there's a lot of moving parts. It's only Wednesday, unfortunately. We don't know if DJ Chark, Chris Connolly is going to be back. So I, I, there is a lot of moving parts for the Jags side to understand you know, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. So I'm just going to look at it from face value, assuming that a lot of these guys come back. Even on Minnesota, Adam Thielen sounds like he should be back. I think he was activated today from the COVID list, so that's great news. Um, Irv Smith, haven't heard any news on him. So there's a lot of injuries in this game that does impact how you view these players. So the Jags are going to be their double-digit underdogs on the road. And the worst part about the dis this game is that Dalvin Cook can dominate. And when Dalvin Cook can dominate, that means that there is zero pass volume for either side. We have seen this in multiple weeks where Dalvin Cook goes absolutely off, and then the Vikings don't have to throw much, and then the other team doesn't have the ball that much, and they're not throwing much either. So I think when I look at this matchup, I do worry a little bit that Dalvin Cook can take over this game, and you're not going to see the pass volume. But the good news is if I'm looking at this team, uh, both teams right now, you know, who beats the Vikings on the Jags side, you know, interior – uh, receivers have been very good against the Minnesota Vikings, right? But the problem is, listen, Mike Glennon, I think the biggest thing with Johnson last week was backup quarterback, backup receiver. We see that all the time where they have gotten the reps together, so they have chemistry, so that kind of worked out for him. Now, Glennon should start again. I haven't heard anything about Garner Minshew. I, I heard he's healthy and he's just not playing, which seems odd, but neither here or there. But I'm not too excited to start any of the Jags. I think Minnesota's defense is kind of – they're playing a lot better than they have in the past. They have been much better over the last couple of weeks, even though they got embarrassed by Dallas a couple of weeks ago. But overall, I think I'm probably fading most of these receivers. If DJ Chark is in, I probably might consider him as a wide receiver three. But just keep in mind, the, the Minnesota Vikings are very good against outside wide receivers. So that's where Chark predominantly plays – so I'm still even really worried there. I think the guy that only I'm interested in is James Robinson, um, even though the matchup doesn't really necessarily say it's great, but Minnesota is a, a run funnel defense. So they are more susceptible to the run than the pass. So I think James Robinson will be fine. The other big key with James Robinson for James Robinson owners is Chris Thompson still out. So with Chris Thompson's not in the game, James Robinson is the de facto pass game back as well. When Chris Thompson's in, you know, James Robinson's no longer going to be uh, game flow dependent. He's going to be a little bit more game flow dependent because Chris Thompson will get past game work. So just keep that in mind during the playoffs. If you hear Chris Thompson comes off IR, just keep that in mind when the, if they're in a tough matchup, maybe heavy road underdogs or something, you might be a little bit wary of James Robinson. But anyway, I digress. Now the Vikings side, Dalvin Cook, we don't need to talk about it. Also Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I think you got to roll the dice. The matchup's too good. Against outside wide receivers, Jacksonville has just been horrendous at covering outside wide receivers. So I'm in on both of those guys. And even if and if Thielen's out, it's Jefferson the slam dunk. Even in a game where you know you could see Dalvin Cook dominate. And finally, tight end. Listen, Irv Smith is out again. Kyle Rudolph 
to me is listen, last week I was high on Kyle Rudolph. This week I am I'm still okay with starting him because he's always a good bet for a touchdown. He's featured in the red zone, but I just don't know if there's gonna be enough pass volume to to have all these guys do well. So I am a little wary of Kyle Rudolph, but I think if Irv Smith is out, I think he's another solid start and you could play him. So for the Jacksonville side, it's James Robinson, basically the only guy I'm interested in. Maybe a guy like Keelan Cole is a sleeper because of his slot usage, but I'm probably fading all the Jags receivers and the tight ends. And then I think on the other side, I think it's going to be Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson are my main focus. And if Irv Smith is out, I'm okay with starting Kyle Rudolph. Uh, let's revisit Cousins really quickly. Are you streaming Cousins with confidence in single QB leagues? <sighs> I don't like this question. So they're at home yeah. and they're double-digit favorites. So and I he's just been, he has been playing well. And I know. I'm the, I'm the first I'm the first one to talk down Kirk Cousins, but I'll, I'll just run <laughs> yeah. through. So they had they had their bye week in week seven. Since then he had he went 160 versus the Packers, 220 versus the Lions, not very good. But since he went 292 versus the Bears, 314 uh versus the Cowboys and 307 uh and um three touchdowns in three of the last four games for Kirk Cousins. Now that's with Dalvin Cook not necessarily being Dalvin Cook uh, lately. He also kind of rolled his ankle a little bit last week. Looks like he'll be fine this week. So maybe it's like it's usually Dalvin Cook or Kirk Cousins. Right. So maybe it's a Dalvin Cook, so not as much Kirk Cousins. But, you know, it's, it's a streaming question that's come up a lot. I've had people asking me. And if you want to play uh, him or him, uh, let's do it again really quick with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins at home versus Jacksonville or Ben Roethlisberger on Monday night versus Washington. Big Ben. So can I just say something real quick here before we get into all this? So one of the key things about this, Kevin Stefanski is now the head coach of the Browns. The Browns just played Jacksonville and Stefanski and Gary Kubiak were kind of together last year in Minnesota. So last, last week, Baker Mayfield looked fine, but he had two fifty and two. I think that's exactly what you're looking at from, from Kirk Cousins, right? So uh, that was a more of a competitive, competitive football game, 27-25. Now, you know, the, the Vikings are double-digit home favorites. So you run a little bit more of a risk, but Baker, Baker Mayfield, 250-2, I think Kirk Cousins is probably right in line with that. I like it. I like it. Um, let me throw a couple names at you really quick here. Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Bengals. Oh, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Derek Carr at the Jets. Uh Man, you know what the thing about Derek Carr is he's on the road again in on the East Coast. I just – listen, the Jets are a slam-dunk matchup for him, so I, I would go Derek Carr. Matt Ryan versus those Saints who had just had eight sacks. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Okay. And let's go Taysom Hill, same game versus the Falcons. Taysom Hill, I think, is might be my start of the week at quarterback. Love it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's get into the Las Vegas Raiders and the New York football Jets. For the Raiders, we just talked about Carr. Do you think he bounces back last week? Easily the worst game of his season against the Falcons defense that came out of nowhere. But again, they've been playing much, much better since Raheem Mostert. Uh, Raheem, Mostert. Raheem Morris has started to uh, call the shots there um, for the Falcons. So question about Derek Carr. And then that just trickles down to the rest of the offense. If Jacobs happens to miss time with an ankle injury, didn't practice Wednesday. If he misses time, are you comfortable with Devontae Booker? And then any of these pass catchers outside of Darren Waller on the jet side, Darnold in Superflex. Are you comfortable there against these lions uh, or lions, excuse Raiders. me, the Raiders. Uh, we just saw Matt Ryan do pretty well against them. And then I have to ask just because Frank Gore, right? 
He's had 11, <laughs> 11 and a half PPR fantasy points per game in the last three weeks. So a decent RB2, kind of a, a flex floor. And then Brashad Perryman has really become the number one there for the Jets. So again, not, not a lot of sexy names, but these are kind of the, you know, RB2s and threes, wide receivers, threes and fours, and then potentially some flex plays here with, look, the reality is there's only two teams on by. But those two teams, the Buccaneers and the Panthers, have a lot of fantasy players within those rosters that are no longer available to fantasy players this week looking for that uh, playoff push potentially. So we need to dive a little bit deeper with some of these guys and find some golden nuggets. So how do you feel about the Raiders and the Jets this week? It's the problem with it. So the Jets being at home, listen, it's impossible to to assume that the Raiders are going to have another dud. I mean, they just had their dud. I think John Gruden's too good of a coach to have his Raiders come back again and have another dud. So I think they do bounce back. Now, when I look at this game, it's a fantastic game from a pass volume perspective. So this season, so the great thing about the Jets, they are very bad on offense. But the great thing about the Jets defense is they're one of the best run defenses in football, which makes them the most pass funnel defense in the NFL. Like in any metric, they are so bad against the, the pass and so good against the run that even though their offense can't keep up, teams can't run the football against them, so they're constantly throwing. So that's led to them being the second the second most dropbacks per game on defense, while the Raiders are fifth in the last five weeks. So this looks like a good game from a pass-falling perspective for both sides. Now, when I'm looking at the Raiders, and I, I, listen, I'm all in on Darren Waller. I'm all in on, on Nelson Aguilar. I think Aguilar, to me, is a fantastic play in this one. You know, pretty much the pass game across the board can beat the Jets. The Jets don't do anything well in a pass game defensive-wise. They don't cover tight ends well. They don't cover outside receivers well. So I think I lean Darren Waller. I think this is the week you can get him in DFS. I think a lot of people will be off him because he's been slower the last couple of weeks. And then I love Nelson Aguilar. He's become truly like the most consistent wide receiver. Even in that bizarre game last week, he had six targets, five receptions, 54 yards. So, you know, I do like Aguilar in this one as well. Now, the other guys like Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs are just a little bit too risky for me, even though Hunter Renfro had a much better game last week against Atlanta. But I still think Alison Aguilar is going to be the number. He's definitely on the flex radar in this matchup. Now, for the run game, Jacobs, this is going to be a tough matchup for them. Listen, the Jets are very good against the run. However, they do struggle against pass catching running backs. So there could be some things there for Jacobs. But if Jacobs is in, you're obviously starting him. And Booker, too. So, like, if Jacobs is out, I'm okay with starting Booker because they are seven-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. So, basically, if you give three points to the home team, they're double-digit favorites. So, I think there's going to be enough of volume there to make both these guys, whoever's the starter, the true fantasy asset. I'm playing them. But just keep in mind, the the pass game is going to have a lot more success than the ground game in this one, even though the Raiders are very good at running the football. On the other side, Darnold's a disaster. I mean, Adam Gase, we can say what you want about the guy. He's got to go. Um, I, you know, obviously they're probably going to tank for Trevor Lawrence. That's great. Now, the thing about the Raiders, though, is they are a run funnel defense. So they're very bad against the run. They're actually decent against the pass. Even though they see a lot of volume, they've been a little bit better against the pass than they are the run. So look, at Ito Smith last week had 12 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. Brian Hill had 55 yards rushing. So Frank Gore, 18 carries last week against Miami. A much uh, Miami's kind of a similar similar defense in the sense they're much more susceptible to the ground. I think Frank Gore is a flex play. I think you flirt with 10 points and half point PPR. If you're really desperate and you need a running back, if you have Ronald Jones or 
you have Mike Davis slash Christian McCaffrey and you need that flex play at running back, I think Frank Gore should be serviceable in this game against the Raiders. Now, the good news for the for the Jets two pass game is they are the Raiders are much more susceptible to slot receivers. So that's great news for Crowder. They are pretty good against outside receivers, but they just lost their one of their top corners, Arnett, to an injury. So that could be that could be doable for Perriman and Mims, who both had eight targets last week. So I listen, Darnold and Superflex, it's hard to say yes, but at the same time, you know, they're gonna have to throw a lot. They're they are gonna have the ability to throw the ball with Arnett out. So I, I don't know if I'm in on Sam Darnold just yet for a super flex, but I do think all three of the receivers can do something in this game, but I definitely lean Crowder. I think Crowder and PPR is definitely my favorite because they are truly a slot funnel defense again in the past game. Now, I think that really covers that. I don't think we need to cover Herndon. So I think that's really it. Fair enough. It has been interesting to see Brashad Perryman. He saw a 30% target share last week with Sam Darnold back, caught a 49 yard touchdown two weeks ago. Uh, he seems to be the number one there. Um, it's the Jets, but, you know, seven targets, four receptions, 62 receiving yards in three of the last five games is certainly something to mention there for um, Rashad mm-hmm. Perriman. I want to touch on Josh Jacobs again really quick, and we'll move on here. In the last six games, he's been very up and down. Week seven, so after they're buying week six, week seven versus the Bucks, very good against the run. Ten carries, 17 yards, no real surprise there. Uh, week eight at the um, at the Browns, that was a bad weather game. He had 129 on the ground. Chargers the next week, 65. Denver, 112. Kansas City, 55. Last week, 27. Of course, he got nicked up. It's been interesting to see kind of him up and down all season long. And, you know, he's getting plenty of work, of course. Um, so I'm very interested in Devontae Booker if Josh Jacobs misses. Now, again, he has an ankle injury. Didn't practice on Wednesday. Looks like he's potentially going to be okay so far, it says, for this week. However, keep an eye on that. And if you have an extra uh, waiver spot and your waivers have already gone or a lot of waivers are actually clearing tomorrow, um, you may want to take a look at that and see if you have the opportunity to maybe scoop him up just in case uh, because it is handcuff season, but you also want to look at maybe having, um, having Devontae Booker just in case on your roster as well. All right, man, last game, Cleveland Browns at Tennessee Titans. This should be an excellent NFL game. Both teams looking for first place here um, in their divisions. Now, of course, the Browns are behind the Steelers, and that's a long shot. However, they are looking at a significant playoff seeding, and the Titans looking for first place in their division. On the Cleveland side, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, Kareem Hunt, and Austin Hooper, my question marks, Baker Mayfield threw his first touchdown in three games last week. Jarvis Landry went nuts. We finally saw a good game in, you know, okay weather for him. He ends up having his first touchdown of the season, um, over 100 yards, 10 receptions, excellent game for Jarvis Landry. And Austin Hooper caught a touchdown as well. Kareem Hunt came up with kind of a, a hamstring thigh injury. We need to keep track of that. Obviously, Nick Chubb is automatic there. So any question marks for this uh, this Browns offense that's done enough to win but the Browns have won a lot of ugly games this year. And I'm not sure that aside from Nick Chubb, they're actually as good as they uh, seem to be um, with their record on the other side with Tennessee, uh, you start Henry, you start AJ Brown. And honestly, I think you can even be confident with Ryan Tannehill this week, uh, but Corey Davis and John o. Smith, John o. Smith has basically all but disappeared. Corey Davis is kind of up and down, but Corey Davis has taken over that number two role in the past game over John o. Smith. 
uh, who was hot to start the season when Corey Davis was out with the COVID situation. But since Corey Davis has come back, John, who has basically disappeared. So is it really just kind of like start who you think you would start in these games? You start Chubb. If Kareem Hunt's healthy, you start him, you start Landry. And then on the other side, you start Tannehill, you start Henry, you start um, AJ Brown. Is that pretty much it? Or do you have some of these auxiliary players as well? Yeah. So I'm excited for this game. I do like, I, so we finally got to see the Browns outside of their, the weather and Jacksonville had some success. Mike Glennon threw for 235 yards and two touchdowns with backup receivers and Denzel Ward is out. Who's the best corner for the Cleveland Browns. So that should definitely open up some of the pass volume. And the good news is on the other side, Tennessee sees the fourth most dropbacks per game on defense over the last five weeks. And they are our pass funnel defense. So that's good news. So I think, that if you're going to try to beat the Titans, you need to do it through the air more than the ground. So that's something that's going to be kind of strength versus strength. It's going to be the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt ground game versus a better than better a better run defense versus a better pass. So I'm interested to see how this works. I do think everyone, I think pretty much a lot of these guys are in play. So when I'm looking at the Browns first, like who beats the Titans? Run games have been very successful against the Titans and all around the kind of the wide receivers across the board. So I do like Nick Chubb. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you to start Nick Chubb, but Kareem Hunt to me, and you know, Scott, when we talked about this earlier in the year, uh, I was constantly saying like Kareem Hunt was getting all his production in the fourth quarter and blowouts and all this stuff. And some of that is going to come back to the mean at some point, And we're starting to see that. So, you know, he's a little more touchdown dependent than he was in the past. He still got 10 carries for 62 yards, but he really didn't get it done over the last few weeks from a fantasy perspective. So I think Hunt is just a flex play. I don't, I'm not too, I'm not going to go out of my way to start Kareem Hunt if I don't have to. Nick Chubb is definitely in play, of course. Now, I want to hold my feet to the fire here, and this is something that, trust me, if your listeners want to know something about me, I hate being wrong. And Jarvis Landry, I, I just missed it last week. I talked about Rashard Higgins because he plays more on the outside. It was Jarvis Landry, and I'll tell you why, because I want to dive into the numbers. They play so many two tight end sets in Cleveland now, Landry plays on the outside. So I do believe that Landry's back in play in this one. You know, the Titans, and I've been talking about Adoree Jackson. Geez, until I see it, I'm not going to bring it up anymore. But, you know, at some point, Adoree Jackson will be back. But I think Landry's back in play again. He's got 11 targets on 29. He got basically over a 30% target share last week. That's fantastic. I think Landry's right back in your lineups. I think he's a great start against the Tennessee Titans defense that has been, been pretty beat up pretty much all year at the receiving position. Now, outside of that, I don't trust – I think Baker is in play. I think Baker is going to have a similar line that he had last week, 250 and two. Is it serviceable? It can get you by, yes. But with only two teams on by, I don't think Baker Mayfield is necessarily going to be a QB1 in this matchup, especially because both teams, even though it might not be the right play, are going to try to impose their will on the ground. Because the same thing is for the, uh, for the Tennessee Titans on the other side. So when I'm looking at them – sorry, before I move on, let's talk about Austin Hooper. I think Austin Hooper is also in play. I do like it when – you know, he last week it was Jarvis Landry and everybody else. Now, the Titans, for example, they do allow a decent amount of production to the tight end. We saw Trey Burton, three receptions for 42 yards and a score. You know, Moai Cox had two receptions. So, you know, I do think that Austin Hooper is on the tight end one radar as well in this one, especially because I do like the pass line to go up for Cleveland than what they're usually at. Now, on the other side of the ball, though, Tennessee Titans, I like everybody. I like I like Ryan Tannehill in this game. I think he's going to find success, especially with that injury to Denzel Ward. I think there's a lot of room for A.J. Brown to dominate, Corey Davis to play well on the outside. And also the Browns, 
you know, you could pretty much beat them inside and out with wide receivers. You could also beat them with tight ends. So I think John New Smith, listen, he's so touchdown, touchdown dependent, but I think you're going to see Tannehill throw more than 22 times. Last week, they blew the doors off of the Colts. Um, so that's, I don't expect that to happen. This is going to be much more of a competitive football game. So I think John is going to run a little bit more routes. I think he's going to be more in play. I think he could be a low end tight end one in this matchup as well. And of course, you know, we don't need to tell you to start Derrick Henry, but he's going to eat. But I think the, the Browns are much easier to beat through the air than the ground. So I do like everybody in this matchup. That's great news. That's going to be, hopefully, hopefully we get some, uh, some sort of, fireworks here out of these yeah. teams overall but honestly man i could see this game being very december football with two of the prototypical ground and pound grinders that we have in the nfl these days with nick chubb and derrick henry i would not be shocked if each guy gets 25 carries and they're both over 160 yards with a couple touchdowns and the quarterbacks throw 15 play action tosses um I could just see it happen. And these are both kind of, you know, hard-nosed football teams. And uh, that could certainly be the case. But hopefully we'll have some more uh, fruit here in uh, the rest of these lineups. All right, buddy, that wraps up the early slate. Again, Lucas and I handled the later slate, the doubleheader on Monday and the Tuesday game on the previous episode. Go back and check that out, episode 316. But let's get into our pickums here before we get out of here, man. You had an excellent week last week, actually paced to the group and got within one overall of Lucas, who's been our leader for a while. So Lucas uh, stumbled a little bit, nine and seven on the week. Bobby, though, had the uh, top score, 13 and three. Dweez and I also did quite well at 12 and four. So all of us gained significant ground on Lucas, but he is still up at the top, 99 and 59 overall. Bobby are one game behind him at 98 and 60. Dweez is right behind you at 96 and 62 and i'm right behind dweez at 95 and 63 so we're within four games here with just a couple weeks left in the nfl season bobby let's get into our early game pickums i'll give you two teams you give me the winner let's roll new orleans saints and the atlanta falcons who you got new orleans new orleans on the road beat up on the falcons last time i'm gonna go with the falcons if julio is healthy that's always my kind of uh caveat Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears. Chicago. Chicago Bears. They got your boy Trubisky. <laughs> they they he, won the last, they won like the last four games against Detroit. So it's hard to bet against them. Here we go. I did fact check you because that's what we do here on the podcast. And yes. my man, you are absolutely correct. Mitch Trubisky in his career has played six games versus the Lions. He's four and two overall. One of the few teams, only the Minnesota Vikings, does he have a winning record against as well. He has 14 overall touchdowns, four interceptions. The next closest team is the Green Bay Packers with seven touchdowns that Mitch Trubisky has against. So he beats up on the Detroit Lions. And on top of that, he also has over 100 rushing yards for a score as well. That's the most rushing yards, passing yards, and overall touchdowns he has against anybody in the league. So, Bobby, you are absolutely correct on that one, my man. There you go. There you go. All right, let's get into Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. Colts. Colts. I like it. Going with some road teams today. Cincinnati Bengals and Miami Dolphins. Miami. Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota. Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Football Jets. The Raiders. 
okay are you sure because last week <laughs> last week you wanted uh, to go with the jets and i, I gave know you a chance to mulligan even during the week i'm glad you no, didn't uh didn't. but uh we're sure okay Derek. yeah Hardy. yeah we're sure we're sure <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> cleveland browns tennessee titans titans all right man i uh i look lucas agrees all the way down the board i agree with every game other than atlanta over new orleans again if julio's healthy that defense is playing better. I think it's a boat race at home in Atlanta. It's hard to beat a team twice in the NFL. I'm going to go with the Falcons if Julio is out or hampered. I'm also going to stick with the Saints. Bobby, nice. always a pleasure, man. Let the TCK Potters know where we can find your content. Yeah, you can follow me at Instagram, uh, at Fantasy Football X Factor, on Twitter, at FFXFactor. I also write for football.rasball.com. I do my shadow coverage report every week. Uh, go over the best wide receiver and cornerback matchups. And then finally, I write for uh, expand the box score. I do the opportunity analysis where I go over the best matchups for each week uh, for all skill position players. My man, thank you so much for joining once again, man. We'll do it again next week. Best of luck in week 13. Wrap up the rest of your playoffs. Make sure you get into those fantasy playoffs. Make sure you're set for the rest of these rosters here with the COVID situations and the injuries and the bye weeks and the IR and all that stuff. Reach out to Bobby, reach out to myself. You can reach out to TCK Pod on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK Pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings, our articles, and our playoff primer, which will be dropping on Saturday. And you can find that spreadsheet with all of the strength of schedule for the playoffs coming out on our website, tckpod.com. Please leave us a five star review and a rating as well. Bobby, always a pleasure, man. Always appreciate having you on, buddy. Thank you, man. It's good talking to you. For Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.